And yeah, you know, he seems like the kind of guy who's probably already eaten a floppy disk at some point. Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. And I'm Cody Toombs. And today we're starting a, another mini-series. We're talking about OS2, which is spelled OS slash 2, which was an operating system that Microsoft and IBM worked together on in the 80s and early 90s. And at one point it was going to replace Windows. This was the designated successor to Microsoft Windows. So the history of OS2 is intertwined with IBM's early personal computers. So we've got to talk a little bit about that first. The IBM personal computer, or the IBM PC for short, was released in 1981. This computer is the start of the modern home computer industry. Like this is why we all call computers PCs when they're not Macs. The IBM PC shipped with the Personal Computer Disk Operating System, or PC-DOS for short. This was a operating system developed primarily by Microsoft, but IBM helped a little bit and IBM distributed it on their computers. It had a command line interface, so there was no desktop environment, there weren't floating windows, there wasn't a whole lot you could do with a mouse. I don't think it had a mouse in 1981. It didn't. I, I believe me, I remember what it was like using a mouse in a DOS environment uh, many, <laughs> many, many years later. And unpleasant would definitely be my choice of words. So PC-DOS was only supported on IBM's own computers, but Microsoft sold it for other computers under the name MS-DOS. So they had originally really made this for IBM, but the terms of their agreement said Microsoft could still sell it for third-party computers. And so when you bought the IBM PC, it came with PC-DOS, but when you bought like a PC compatible from somewhere else, you were buying MS-DOS, but they were the same thing. It's just basically the same thing with different names. And sometimes the software you get with it would be a little bit different. So DOS was working well for the first couple of years the PC was around. It was a little bit more advanced than what you would get on other computers of the day, like the Apple II, but it wasn't perfect. The main issue with it was that there was no multitasking. You just, you know, you would type in the command to start one program and you could run that. But if you wanted to do something else, you had to close that and go run it separately. This wasn't really ridiculous for the early 80s when basically no computers could multitask. But by 1985, 1986, it was kind of something that IBM wanted to start working on. So in August of 1985, IBM and Microsoft signed what was called the Joint Development Agreement, which is a very generic name that doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> so the goal of this agreement was to create a DOS capable of multitasking, and it was going to be written from scratch, basically. Early on, it was called Control Program DOS, or CP-DOS. The most important thing in this joint agreement is that Microsoft and IBM would be working on this together, and both companies would have access to everything related to the project. That's really important for later on, is that 
Microsoft has access to everything related to this and IBM has access to everything related to this. Uh, those agreements always work out fantastically. No company has ever regretted this. No, absolutely not. Everything goes perfect in this story, Cody. Don't you know your computer is running OS2 right now? So both companies work on this for a couple years. And then in April of 1987, Microsoft and IBM tell the world what they've been working on. And they call it Operating System Slash 2. And they just shorten it to OS2 later on. I love how there's just no sense of marketing in this, which to be yeah. fair among computer nerds, you don't, you don't need to market. Like obviously you need to tell them what they, what they're interested in, but you don't have to slap big, stupid marketing slogans on things, at least not back in the eighties. Yeah. Especially because this was IBM and I think IBM just really loved giving everything the most generic and unhelpful name possible. Well, even back then, IBM really, they liked the corporate environment. Yeah. So the the product name has a little bit of a reason behind it. The reasoning was that IBM was getting ready to release a upgraded line of PCs called PS2, like Personal System 2. And they wanted the operating system name to match the name of the computers. So... The main selling point for OS2 compared to Microsoft DOS and PC DOS and these other systems is that OS2 is built around the protected mode on newer Intel CPUs at the time. So I'm not going to go too deep into the technical jargon because I, I don't think most people care and it doesn't matter a whole lot. But at this point, Microsoft DOS and IBM DOS and so on were built for real mode. And basically how it worked is when you ran an application, it basically had access to your whole computer. It was also built where applications couldn't really use more than 640 kilobytes of RAM, which wasn't really an issue in 1981. That was still kind of a lot back then, but it was an issue in 1987. Intel came along and with their um, newer generations of computer processors, they added this protected mode where you could more easily do multitasking and more RAM could be used by the system. So OS2 was entirely built around this new feature. So I've got a New York Times article for you to read by Peter H. Lewis, and this was published on September 6th of 1987. Oh, goody. Get my singing voice ready. OS2 stands for Operating System 2. It is being developed jointly by the International Business Machines Corporation and the Microsoft Corporation as a successor to MS-DOS, the operating system that drives IBM personal computers and their clones. OS2 has three main advantages over DOS. It breaks the 640 kilobit memory barrier, which will allow it to run larger and presumably more useful applications. It takes better advantage of the microprocessor's communications pipelines, and it allows several different applications to run simultaneously on one machine, which is called multitasking. OS2 has two major disadvantages, though. First, MS-DOS exists, and OS2 doesn't. At least, not in the marketplace. Second, millions of personal computers will not be able to run OS2 without costly hardware adjustments. The new software requires an 8286 or 8386 chip, and it needs two or more megabytes of memory to be useful. 
Still, some analysts say that OS2 is an exciting advance, the key that will unlock the long-awaited potential of personal computers. It is only a matter of a few years, they say, before a majority of MS-DOS users are working under OS2. That would be quite a migration, considering that an estimated 10 million MS-DOS computers are at large. So I like two parts of this article. Number one, I like that he had to explain what multitasking is. Well, and it it stands out to me, even in the structure of how you wrote it, saying that it's going to run multiple applications simultaneously, which is called multitasking. This almost, to an extent, just, you know, we've both written a lot of articles. We we typically will drop the term and then explain it. The fact Mm -hmm. that the term follows usually kind of implies, hey, everyone, here's a new term. They probably had to explain this to a lot of people, not just the general public, but I bet this is something management still needed to have explained to them and needed to hear about. Yeah. The other thing is that even at the onset of OS2 being a product, it's described as this thing that like will be needed in the future, but not right now. People have this mindset of like, oh, you know, this is cool. I don't really know what to do with it now. Like DOS is fine, but I I guess at some point we'll all be using this maybe. When you consider the nature of software development at that time, it kind of makes sense. I mean, a -hmm. lot of almost everything had to be done with multiple years worth of turnaround planned in this equation. There were no, there were no dynamic updates there. (laughs) Like everything had to be a very big, procedural things so i kind of get that everyone everyone had to plan ahead and say okay here here are our constraints here's what we have to build for so yeah no it's not like anybody was building software that already required more more ram it's not like people were building tools that would work in a windowed environment or any of the other things that were planned with this eventually yeah i i understand the mentality but I, I think it probably hurt IBM doing it this way. So that initial announcement was in April of 1987. By December 4th of 1987, OS2 1.0 was officially available. You could go out and buy it. It was priced at $325 in 1987 money. And if you wanted the technical reference manual, which you kind of needed if you wanted to do any programming or anything, Uh, That was another $200. So this was not a cheap thing to go out and buy. Part of the reason it was that expensive was because it had a copy of Windows included with it. So you could run Windows software in OS2. So Cody, I'm going to send you a screenshot of OS2 1.0. And I want you to describe what you see. (laughs) Oh, this, this feels like... This feels like an interesting psychological test. Here's a Rorschach test. Bunch of ink blots. Tell us what you see. What does this ink blot look like to you? Oh, it looks like Word. So it looks like a typical command prompt. The only real notable difference from what I would expect on a typical command prompt is that the top line of this has a blue line across the top that is obviously intended to be a menu. And there's only two things actually listed One is control escape, which opens your program selector, which obviously implies multitasking. And you can type help to get help. Obviously, at that time in history, no one would have known. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, there's also someone has typed the word ver to show the version, which is the Microsoft Operating System slash 2 version 1.0. Yes. Basically, this initial version, again, we don't have the presentation manager yet that will give us the desktop and all the fun buttons and menus and stuff. That comes later. This 1.0 version is just this text mode thing that looks a lot like MS-DOS. You know, if you'd used DOS before this, it worked pretty much like that. The main difference, of course, is that you can multitask. So that program selector would give you a menu where you can swap between applications. So OS2 could run software made for OS2 as well as earlier DOS applications. So it was fully backwards compatible. You could run multiple OS2 apps at once, and you would just do like a keyboard shortcut to switch between them. Again, because we don't have like floating windows yet, so everything's just taking up the whole screen. But you could only run one DOS app at a time, and that was kind of lame. Even though it could only run one DOS app at a time, it was so well built to the point where you could run the DOS version of Windows inside of it. So, you know, at the time, Microsoft Windows was just a very complicated DOS application, but you could run that inside of the DOS environment inside of OS2. So there's a lot of layers here. Yeah. It's like an onion. Yeah, which I'm sure necessitated extra RAM. Yes, that's that's a good segue into the limitations of OS2 1.0. The big one was that... DOS software could cause OS2 to become unstable. The reason for this is is kind of technical. OS2 was built for that Intel 286 chip you mentioned earlier, but the protected mode on that, which powered a lot of this compatibility stuff, was it wasn't really done yet. It wasn't fully baked. That would have to wait until the Intel 386 chip, which was available when OS2 came out, but OS2 didn't support it. Also, OS2 had no networking support at all until the LAN manager application arrived in late 1988. I mean, to be fair, networking was not exactly the... It, it, I mean, it existed, but it certainly was not a widely used thing. You're telling me we didn't have Chrome in 1988, Cody? Uh, I'm, I'm telling you that people were barely even connecting to uh, BBSs <laughs> at that stage. I, I mean, yes. well, okay, I mean, I guess they were, but it was pretty limited even then. In conclusion, OS2 1.0 was maybe more of a beta product than anything else. It didn't have the cool desktop environment yet. The DOS compatibility was a little bit iffy, but there was potential here this in this first version, but it was very... Not a whole lot of practical benefits yet. Mm -hmm. Also, IBM and Microsoft were selling slightly different versions of OS2, again, like they had been doing with MS-DOS and PC-DOS. The version that IBM sold, which was just called IBM OS2, was only for its computers, and it had like all the drivers for the IBM PCs and everything else. And then if you had another kind of computer, you could go out and buy Microsoft OS2. The same month that OS2 1.0 comes out, we get Microsoft with Windows 2.0. At this point, Windows was just a complicated DOS program. You, your computer would boot into DOS, and then you could open Windows at any time, and then you could use any applications you had inside of Windows. Mm -hmm. Windows 1.0 was very basic. 
but Windows 2.0 was a definite improvement. This was the first version that had overlapping windows instead of just like you could split your screen in half and have one thing on one side and one thing on the other side. Windows 2.0 also had some performance enhancements. It used memory a little bit more efficiently. So that's kind of important at the time, but like this is still before Windows really takes off. This is also sort of because at the time, Microsoft and IBM are both saying that OS2 will replace MS-DOS, PC-DOS, and Windows as a product. Like the goal is to merge all these things together. Right. But for the time, quoting that article, there's still 10 million MS-DOS computers. Microsoft is still updating Windows for those computers, but the eventual goal is to shift everything over to OS2. Yeah, these these strategies, uh, uh, to Microsoft's credit, they they clearly had it in mind to, to do OS2 as the ideal solution, and then Windows was kind of their backup. Yeah, I guess their thinking at the time was like, we're going to build this DOS Windows until we hit this ceiling of performance, and then OS2 will become the better product. So within 16 days of its release, IBM ships more than 20,000 copies of OS2. I've got another New York Times article from the same guy for you to read that comes out a little bit after OS2 comes out. OS2 demands more power and memory than DOS. According to a report by Computerland, one of the leading retailers of computer merchandise, it will cost an average of $1,500 to upgrade an existing computer to take advantage of OS2. If you have an older PC or XT-class computer, you can't run OS2 without a coprocessor board or a new computer. The board is a plug-in card that contains an Intel 8286 or 8386 microprocessor, the only chips that can handle OS2. Even if you've got IBM AT computers or whatever, it's still going to cost probably about $1,000 to upgrade for the additional memory that's required in the new operating system, Mr. Tartar said. That's a particularly important issue for the cost-sensitive market, the people who buy PC clones and Tandys and generic ATs. You're telling that part of the market that they're going to have to invest another 50% to run OS2. So basically the gist here is that OS2, it's really pushing computer hardware at the time. You need the latest Intel chips. You need a lot of memory. And a lot of the people buying PCs or PC compatibles are buying the lowest end stuff. Also acknowledging what was different about the time, though, most most people really didn't have a need for anything bigger than this. The software that was coming out was really generic, basic games. It was things like, to to a small extent, word processors, ledger software, accounting, spreadsheets, things like that. So, yeah, the kind of software that was available didn't necessarily push a lot of the hardware obviously because the hardware didn't exist for it and most average typical people didn't have a use for it yet that didn't come along until later well no one had a use for this yet yeah so os2 1.0 comes out in late 1987 in october of 1988 is when we get os2 1.1 and i really don't like that there's a number in the name and a number in the version number <laughs> when I'm reading this. It makes my brain hurt. <laughs> but this is version 1.1 1 
of OS 2. Well done. And this update is when we finally get that presentation manager interface that IBM and Microsoft talked about a year and a half ago. So I'm going to send you a screenshot of the presentation manager. Again, kind of tell us what it looks like, what kind of vibe you're getting. Okay, so to put it simply, this looks like a very early version of Windows. I mean, it has the buttons. Yes. It has, it has obviously a draggable header strip. Everything looks like very early Windows, actually a lot like Windows 2.0, which of course also looks fairly similar to what Macs, like very early Mac OS looked like. It's very monochrome, but there's some colors highlighting some stuff. Yeah, and they had to do the, oh, I hate seeing it, but the good old classic dotted colors because they couldn't, <laughs> yeah. do they didn't have like different shades of colors. They were still, they were still basically working in the eight color, maybe 16 color space. So yeah, yeah. you've got, instead of having a fully light blue indicator on what your focused window is, it's got blue dots on a white background. Yeah, it's ugly as hell. Yeah, so it like if you if you looked at this and then if you looked at a screenshot of Windows 2.0, you'd have a difficult time telling them apart. But even though it looks like Windows 2.0, this is actually much more advanced on a technical level. It has a more complex graphics engine which lets apps do some cool stuff, but that more complicated engine means that it's difficult for software developers and companies to bring their Windows apps to OS 2. Because even though it looks the same, the underlying architecture is pretty different. And that ends up being another problem for IBM. So OS 2 1.1 is where we kind of finally got this vision from Microsoft and IBM for a unified desktop operating system. So we finally had something that could multitask. We finally had something that had an optional desktop component if you wanted to do desktop stuff. All that being said, the software library was still limited and DOS was still very popular. I know I've said this like five times already and I'm going to say it more, but there's at this point, there's not a compelling use case for OS2. Even for businesses that can afford these computers and all the RAM and everything else that's needed, there's not a whole lot that you can do in OS2 that you can't do in DOS at this point still. Yeah, that I, I mean, that's always going to be the perpetual issue. This doesn't have really anything to do with what we're talking about, but I wanted to show you this advertisement from IBM from this time. It was for their personal system to computers that were all built for OS2. And I just like the ad. It's just fun. Okay, starting now. Want to start small? What think tall? That's your plan with computers that can go along with you. How are you gonna do it? Well, you're gonna PS2 it with the IBM PS2. You wanna network up and network down. Share information with other towns. A well-organized team. Well, that's your dream. How are you gonna do it? You're gonna PS2 it with the IBM PS2. You wanna juggle 10 things all at once and still have time to break for lunch. Oh, in your business, you got a bottom line mission. 
You got to rise above all the competition. Easy. You're gonna PS to it. The solution is IBM. The solution is IBM. Okay. Wow. That's. Uh... <laughs> did that? Did that make you want to buy a PS2? Not 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 the Sony PS2, yes, the computer I, I PS2. Know, I, <laughs> yeah. Uh believe me, I keep I keep wanting to make cracks about the PS2 every time you say it. I mean, first off, it given the time of that, that was actually a really well-made commercial for the time. Yeah, that the the production budget seemed pretty high. They had a lot of cool effects there. Um, I mean, they showed they showed OS2 for a, a hot second there for like yeah for a tiny little bit they showed some guy opening a bunch of windows at once but yeah this is mostly just for the computer yeah yeah it, it's definitely selling the product um not the software man i'm i'm really legitimately impressed with how much they had to spend on that commercial because there were things in there like the camera flying by the computers you at that point in history, you couldn't fake that. Like, they had to actually put that onto, like, a maybe a rail system or dollies or something. I can't think of too many ways to have pulled that off in camera that didn't involve literally just lining up all that stuff and having the camera f swing past it really fast. Anyway, uh, yeah, you know, they... I, I can imagine they probably sold computers off of that commercial though. Would you would you add that song to your Spotify playlist, Cody? No, the the singing was not the highlight of that commercial. They really they, they forced a couple rhymes in there. Oh, they certainly did. That commercial was from nineteen eighty nine, which was a year after OS two one point one came out. And Around this time, actually, is when Microsoft and IBM's partnership starts to fall apart because OS2 really isn't catching on in any meaningful way. So by November of 1989, fewer than 200,000 copies of OS2 had been sold. This is when IBM and Microsoft, they're still working together on OS2, but they're starting to split off in their responsibilities. So IBM starts to work on OS2 2.0. Meanwhile, Microsoft is working on a completely redone version that they're calling Portable OS2. And the goal with that is to have something that could work on computers with non-Intel chips. And that, that Portable OS2 is sort of intended as like OS2 3.0. So IBM is working on the next upgrade, and then Microsoft gets the one after that in theory. And the update that IBM was working on in the meantime was still going to be pretty major because they were trying to update it to be 32-bit. Hmm. So can you guess what happens in May of 1990 that might affect what happens to OS2? May of 1990, something that it happens to OS2, uh, a bunch of kids graduate high school. Uh, yes, <laughs> but I don't. You, you didn't. You did not expect that. I, gather. I, I didn't. I didn't. That's probably true, though. Do you have a real guess? Um, May of nineteen ninety. I, my, 
off the top of my head, I don't know exactly when Windows 3.0 comes out, but that probably should be about the right time. You're right. That is when Windows 3.0 comes out. I can only imagine at that stage, if OS 2 still looks the same way, that looks really, really bad. Yes. This is like doomsday for OS 2 is the release of Windows 3.0. Windows 3.0 at this point had been hyped for months and months. There are a bunch of big changes in Windows 3.0. The first one is that it has a much better design than Windows 2.0 and also the presentation manager desktop on OS 2. Um, you know, we finally have like the minimize and maximize buttons. We have the new program manager that's nicer to use. It's just a lot easier to use as a product. It's a lot closer to the Mac. More importantly for OS 2 is that Windows 3.0 is the first version that can run in the same protected mode on Intel chips that OS 2 has been doing. So Windows can now use just as much memory as OS 2, and it can also run multiple DOS applications at once alongside Windows apps, which OS 2 can't even do at this point. It can still only do one DOS app along with all your other OS 2 software. On top of all that, like it's already beating OS 2 at this point, but Microsoft also signs agreements with a ton of large computer-makers to bundle Windows 3.0 with their computers. So NEC, Tandy, Toshiba, and AT&T, and a bunch of other companies are now shipping computers with Windows 3.0 pre-installed. IBM is not included in that list. <laughs> don't think they wanted that competition. Shocking. All these things together, and the fact that yet even though Windows 3.0 breaks compatibility with a lot of earlier Windows software because they had to redo all the memory stuff to use that and that protected mode, there's still a bunch of third-party software coming out for it. This is when we start seeing more graphical apps show up on the PC, especially stuff ported from the Mac. I believe the first versions of like Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel were on the Mac only, and then they eventually come to Windows around this time. Mm -hmm. So Windows 3.0 is really when Windows gains just a ton of momentum. And now that it has a bunch of software, it can run multiple DOS apps at once. It can use the larger memory capacities that was previously exclusive to OS 2. There's not really much of a point to OS 2. That's how many times have we heard this story in tech? I mean, it's it's so much the company that some company tries to work with somebody else. It takes forever because they can't seem to get things done. And then either they or somebody else comes out with a thing that just makes all of their work kind of seem irrelevant. There are a bunch of components in OS 2 that are very impressive for the time. And it can do more stuff on paper than DOS or Windows at this point. But Windows is now so close to that, and it has much higher market share and adoption, that it's like, well, does it, does it really matter? Do we really need OS 2? Windows seems good enough now. And it costs less. And yeah, and it costs less. And at this point... Windows 3.0 had about the same system requirements as OS 2, which was high in, you know, 1987. But by May of 1990, it wasn't as bad. More people had 286 and 386 chips. 
And even if you didn't have like the super high-end hardware, you could still run Windows in the non-enhanced mode. You could basically just run like one app at a time, but you could still run it. Mm -hmm. You know, all that put together, plus the fact that Microsoft has full control over Windows and it doesn't have full control over OS 2. It's this thing that they're working with IBM on and they're already having conflicts behind the scenes about how to proceed with it. So finally in 1991, IBM and Microsoft break up. They're, they're done working together on OS 2. This comes after they were disputing royalty payments and contract agreements and all these other issues. The actual breaking point was in March of 1991 when IBM came over to Microsoft and they presented plans that called for Windows to be discontinued as an independent product in favor of OS 2. So basically they were saying like, all right, guys, you know, you got this cool Windows thing. I'm glad it's working out for you, but I, I think it's time we, we really start to roll everything into OS 2 like we talked about, right? And uh, yep. that doesn't that doesn't go over well. <laughs> yeah, there's really no way that can go over well. Because like if you're if you're Microsoft in this situation, like why would you ever do that? Like what you you have a very popular thing, and the the person you you talked to a couple years ago is like, hey, you want to do that thing now? Yeah. Well, you spent all this money. You've you've built something successfully. You you actually have a product that people are interested in and happy with and want and yeah then someone else is going to be like but but you promised no offense to ibm here because to be fair i'm sure microsoft which was presumably kind of like a little bit more it, it was their obligation more than ibm's to build the interface portion of this and to make this thing attractive and interesting and they basically directed all of that work into their own product that wasn't part of the partnership right you know understandably ibm kind of got screwed in this situation but at the same time now that the cat's out of the bag like microsoft is not about to back down and say hey let's let's just reverse course and do everything again for ibm that's not going to be good for them in the long run and uh during this meeting ibm said it would release OS 2 2.0 by the end of 1991. So Steve Ballmer from Microsoft reportedly basically blasted IBM in that meeting. And he promised to eat a floppy disk if IBM actually managed to ship OS 2 2.0 on time. Uh, IBM did miss their deadline by a couple months. So Ballmer didn't have to eat a floppy disk. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, first, I know Ballmer would not have it would not have paid up on that debt. And second, I don't think he would have lost that bet. I would not have expected for a second he had to yeah. pay that one off. And yeah, he seems like the kind of guy who's probably already eaten a floppy disk at some point. Like it just came up on a dare and he was like, yeah, sure. For a second, I was going to say, no, he's not that type of... Uh, wait, wait, wait. No, he kind of is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he actually... He, uh, he probably kind of is that guy. So really after that is when IBM and Microsoft are done working together on OS2. And that's where I'm going to leave it for this episode. And when we come back for the next part, how IBM has to now do all of this on its own and how that works out for them. 
I I look forward to the screenshots because I do remember a little bit about what OS2 warp looks like and mm-hmm. which I know you won't get to warp for a little while still but I've spent some of this episode bashing on IBM for its terrible product names. I don't think I can get cooler than warp. I think that's about like the coolest operating system name you could do. I legitimately yeah. <laughs> 